What's up, Go Long readers, Go Long listeners? Welcome to the Go Long podcast here at Fatty Beer Company, Hamburg, New York. We always love doing this in person. Jim, it's good to see you, buddy. What's happening in your world? Cheers, Tyler. We're in preseason week. Please let it be over. But it's always better at Fatty Beer. Did you see they shut down an exhibition football game? Green Bay, New England, shut it down with that injury. Which, yeah. Just shut them all down. <laughs> shut them all down. Cancel the exhibition season. It's that, well, that's a whole play. That play, that whole reason that game was shut down is a whole episode. I mean, it takes you back right away to almost too soon, like just too soon. You know, ah, man, I wasn't anticipating diving right into this. I know I wasn't either, to be honest with you. That's why I said that's almost a whole other. The DeMar Hamlin situation, awful, made us all reconsider our relationship with football. We talked about it. That might have been one of our most popular podcasts, right? I mean, it was pretty emotional from what I remember chatting about. But at some point, football's going to have to own its violence. Own its reality. Are we going to shut games down every time? I mean, there, how many players were taken off on stretchers last season? It felt like every weekend there was this uh, serious injury that gave us the chills. I'm just saying, like, all of these rule changes, all these flags, all these fines, it might make the owners feel all warm and fuzzy inside at its core as long as there's blocking and tackling, there will be injuries. The players know what they're signing up for. You heard it from Isaiah McKenzie on our show last year. Most of the Bills players were ready to go right back out there and play after the DeMar Hamlin situation. That so, for me, that for me is when I was done. That's when I realized nothing is going to stop football. It's a different breed. Yes. And, different and breed. we talked about it. And that's why I just am like, okay, I get it. Like it's it's terrifying. But that's why I was like, yeah, cancel it because exhibition football is mostly unwatchable and but, terrible. But to just start canceling football games over something, we're, we're going to see that again and again and so again. let's talk about preseason football as far as unwatchable. And I'm the first to say that we don't get a lot out of it. Don't read anything into it. Okay. And I stick by that. And we all watch it. And we all we still all talk about it. it and, and, I, and, and we're going to because I'm guilty of it as well. Same. Because there's certain things that you can get from the preseason, but don't let's not get too. I don't want to, and I'll talk about myself. I don't want to get too sarcastic with the NFL preseason in terms of the NFL front offices and the players. It is very important to them. Every rep of every player is looked at by every scout on every other team, including other leagues, spring leagues. You know what I'm saying? CFL. There's just these guys. This is their resume. Putting the, so I guess what I'm saying is fulfilling a lifelong dream. When people say, why do they, these games are pointless. They are, they're pointless for some things. They're not to the players. They're not to the front offices of the NFL. They are getting value out of this. You build your library as a front office, your boards, your, your, you stack your boards. You're always looking for replacements based on just what we were talking about. We're going to get into it uh, later this episode, but. I talked to Joe Shane for an hour recently, story up at Go Long. At one point, he's like, yeah, as soon as I get done with this call, we're going to be cutting up the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> right? I mean, you're right. It's These I, GMs, I these scouts, these yeah, personnel, they're all looking and scouring and scavenging for anybody they can. And not to get too dramatic, but 
there have been singular moments in these quote unquote pointless football games that, that have changed the sport forever. I mean, I can remember as a kid, Terrell Davis, Broncos mm-hmm. kickoff in Tokyo, lights a dude up, and all of a sudden, Shannon Sharp, Mark Schlereth, all these Bronco players are telling the coaches, get him the ball, mm-hmm. get him the and now he's in the Hall of Fame as running back. So you you can change the trajectory of your life, of your team, of your sport in these pointless football games. So I think I think what the way I should talk about the preseason moving forward is don't read anything into the win losses. Don't read anything into the stats. That's what's pointless. Can you see players' talents, skill sets? Yes. Rookies? Yes. That's what I did today. I wanted to look at some guys I haven't seen that I've been hearing about on the X clips. You know, the Deuce Vaughns. I, the, the, I do, no, too. Normalizing the X clips. Hey, I'm into it. I mean, Twitter's to, dead. To be honest, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm off Twitter. It's X clip time. It's X everything. <laughs> it I'm sounds, all about it. It sounds so risque. It does, but it's what I, like, I think we say. It's, they created a nice little. But point being, there is plenty to get from the preseason. But there's a, just don't read. Don't panic. Don't read anything into too much. Like, it's just time. To, the, the, the team stuff. That's why this is going to be a fun episode, too, because the Buffalo Bills right here in western New York, you can take that exhibition performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers two different directions. I'm not really sure where I stand. I'm not really sure where you stand. But it was ugly against the Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. Steelers. The offensive line did not look good. You studied Cyrus Torrance, I believe. We're going to get into his performance a little. Um, Jordan Poyer, you called it when we had Mina Kimes on the show that one of the concerns you had was speed at safety. Jordan Poyer did not get the sort of offers that he was hoping for in free agency. That play, that Jalen Warren 62-yard touchdown would seem to indicate why, which I'm, I'm going off on a million tangents, but every time I watch the Steelers offense, I'm like, why is Najee Harris getting like eight, nine times the carries as Jalen Warren. Even last year, I feel like Warren's just busting loose. And I'm not a scout, though. I'm just in the media. But Najee Harris just strikes me as like a, a slower beast mode at times. Like, he's just like seeking contact and bouncing off of people, and it's fun. But a four-yard carry should have been 11 yards, stuff like that. But anyways, the Bills. Concern? Not a concern? Um. You know, we heard from the head coach that Josh Allen's got to stop running around and playing hero ball, and there he is being forced to play hero ball, living in reality, as he will in the regular season, as he should, because Josh Allen running around doing crazy stuff is why Buffalo has a shot to win the Super Bowl. But your thoughts? Let's start locally with the Bills. Stick with the team part. I am not concerned at all. Can't wait for the season to start for the Bills. I feel like they are one of the top five teams to win the Super Bowl as far as who I'd be looking at to possibly put money on to win a Super Bowl. Okay, that being said, yes, bad play by poor. Everybody has bad plays. It's a preseason. I just didn't see that lack of burst. I thought he hit an angle. I thought that was a tackle he should have made. Instead of starting safety in the NFL, that's what you do. You save that touchdown as a safety. Um. And once again, we're gonna. That's what you get out of the preseason. A play. Did you see it? Now let's talk about Josh Allen running around. You know what I see with that? I see special MVP type throws. Same. <laughs> Same. So 
I, that to me gets me excited. Like now the guy that I keep noticing when I'm watching these plays is Gabe Davis, not the rookie tight end for sure. He's, he looks like, he looks like they, they got what he will, he will give them what they were looking for in him. I think they know they saw the vision for him and it looks nice. Gabe Davis looks good. He looks like they have a nice um, feel right now with each other on the field, um, getting out of trouble, finding Davis, strong catches, looking big, playing big. Um, so I'd be really – that's what I take away from that part. Now, the right side of the offensive line, let's talk about it. The right tackle was a concern coming into the season. Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown, who at that height – I've talked about this player before with the 6'8 is tall. It's almost too tall. We've had these discussions in draft rooms. Can too tall be too tall? John Runyon, when I was in Philadelphia, was kind of that uh, – he's old school. I mean, we're talking the first tall, just I'm going to beat you into the ground, right tackle type guy. Um, but he had issues with pass rushers that could get under him or dip the edge. I mean, he didn't have that bend. I saw it with Brown in the preseason getting lifted by players. So that's a concern. Now, the right guard is a rookie. Osiris Torrance, Florida, second-round pick. What I have noticed with him is he does seem like he's seen things pretty well as far as his football instincts, as far as a couple of basic blitzes, tight end twists, nothing nothing complicated, but he saw it, was able to, to get and, and be productive with it. I am not seeing explosion. I'm not seeing ability to redirect. I'm not seeing ability to block in space. I worry about his ability to stay on blocks. I think he has movement issues. Um, I'm going to pay attention to him. I'm not saying anything else. He was tough. He has length. He has size and strength. There is. So can he play? I'm not saying anything about is he good or not good yet. I'm paying attention to him. If he's going to start in the NFL and I'm noticing what I think is a little bit lack of quickness at guard, defensive tackles, I mean, you're talking about possibly maybe the greatest athletes on the field. I mean, you've never seen guys that size with that explosion and get off and speed and power. So I guess what I'm saying, that, that right side of the line, let's watch it. Well said. I don't think enough people are discussing that. That could be a fatal flaw in this conference with, well, the, with these kind of quarterbacks, you, these offenses for your right side of an offensive line because – Spencer Brown was a concern going into this season. The guard, everybody was really jacked up about what they read about him, what they saw. I mean, the line play, here's here's where I'd stop myself, though. I'm sure you're stopping yourself, too. You watch these games, there's a lot of really bad offensive line play everywhere. I, I don't and think you do have a quarterback yeah. that has the element of special. I just think it's goes to show, like, you're going to need Josh Allen to do Josh Allen things this year again. Like, if you're expecting a a clean pocket and for him to just make the conservative decision every time, that's just not realistic. I mean, for we, we got into this earlier in the offseason, but for the, the powers that be the, to speak in the manner in which they did, all right, then go, go sign some linemen then that are really, really good. Draft some linemen who are really, really – like, you can't force – so a quarterback to think and operate a certain way when reality suggests otherwise. And, and that's what, and that's what you have stressed from the start. And we, like you said, we talked about it, but that's why I say I pay attention to the right side of the offensive line, 
But when you have as many superstars, and I'm talking superstars, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, this rookie tight end. Gabe, Davis, a, Gabe Davis has a chance. A variable. A variable that I just think is ready to, to be the guy this year. I This offense to me is screaming like world beaters. They're getting ready to score points. I'll tell you this. I think one of the best decisions that Brandon Bean made this offseason was to not sign DeAndre Hopkins. Because, and I, it might seem like it um, flies in the face of load up weapons, go for it. Like that. But I think you, you're you seeing now in Gabe Davis, like he's got a chance to really ascend. I don't know what that would have done to Gabe Davis's trajectory to bring in Hopkins. You know, he excels. You tell me if I'm wrong as an X, right? He needs to be out wide with that size, with that mm-hmm. speed. He had a lot of drops last year, but. I, I think that Bean is right and, and kind of pointed to that ankle injury as, as a factor. I mean, that ankle really bothered him more than folks knew. So, Hopkins, I, we'll see. I was on at those Titans-Vikings practices. It was hard to see much in that kind of setting, but I'm not really sure what they're going to get out of Hopkins. I would just rather have Gabe Davis as my number two in one-on-one coverage and making those plays that maybe he didn't make last year. And so – we, we can analyze these drafts by the Bills, by the regime that uh, came after you, and there there's some question marks, no doubt. Gabe Davis is is one fourth-rounder that I think Bean is going to want to hang his hat on and, and probably pay. I would, I would think if he starts this season strong, like they're, they're going to pay up quickly and try to lock him up. Agree. Agree on the whole Davis-Hopkins take. No need. Well, you're not – what you're spending to get Hopkins and you this you know, that's why you pay Josh Allen. 13 you, mil, is that what he yeah, got? You're good, they're good, they're fine. They invested in Josh Allen and they invested in Gabe Davis. You're good. Um as far as I mean the, those Titans Vikings practices, I was interested to I wanted to hear about what you thought of those. Uh, that just in general, like yeah. Like, do you get sure. much out of those? Like more than the preseason games? Yes. That's <laughs> yeah. why I was asking, because that was where we used to really felt like we could see things. That's the new wave. I think these teams are like, let's get together for practices. It's a little more <laughs> I say climate controlled, and it was like windy as hell. Like the wind was insane. The way that the Vikings like palace of a practice facility. I mean the the Wills, look, we, we, we love to poke fun at owners in the NFL for good reason, man. The owners of the Minnesota Vikings have put a ton of resources into the Minnesota Vikings. Like, it is insane where they practice, where they report to work every day. You can see why. State of the art, everything. Uh, what was it? 1,300 anonymous NFL players voted like for the workplace best workplace environment in the NFLPA. The Vikings were number one. So, As an outsider, you can see why. Kevin O'Connell's just done a marvelous job making guys happy to go to work post Mike Zimmer. Uh, but, yeah, the practices themselves, honestly, I, I can say this now. One of the reasons I went out there, Traylon Burks, for the Titans, yeah. we were going to get together for a story. And I guess it's a go-long curse. He uh, caught a deep Indeed. ball and came That's down right, on his did. leg. It, and I was right there and looked bad. I thought it was ACL, which is why I'm no doctor. I believe it was his MCL, and he'll be back four to six weeks, something like that. But in the moment, it was kind of sad, you know. Just spiked the football, super emotional. DeAndre Hopkins came over, consoled him, taken away on a cart. Um, so to see that kind of stuff up close is, ooh, it kind of hits you. 
it was heated. I mean, these guys were going at it. It's hot. It's windy. Um, they're going against another team. You, it was fun. You're at that. You're visiting them at the miserable. There's those stages of training camp, right? The beginning is all oh, the move in. Let's look at everybody's, you know, every all the move in or just first day of camp. Everybody's excited because now they're not necessarily living in dorms. They live in, stay at home. And then you get to about week or day eight, nine, ten, and it's over. It's over. You see it all, and everybody hates everybody. Sick of this shit. Other teams coming. We're fighting no matter what. I hate everybody. I hate my teammates. I hate the media. The media hates us. Like, it's just, it happens every year. Every year. Why don't we use that as a, uh, a segue into the real headline in Buffalo this week? Stefan Diggs. <laughs> Unhappy, according to Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A., as only Stephen A. does, made some waves on first take. I don't have his direct quote in front of me. Basically said Diggs wants out of Buffalo. Diggs is unhappy. Diggs knows that he's stuck. It's not like he can really force his hand, but that he is unhappy. And he said he has his sources. It was emphatic. Expectedly, uh, I guess first Diggs tweeted out that these not sources true. were incorrect, right. not true, happy, Bills Mafia, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then you see reporters and fans and more reporters mock Stephen A for his quote-unquote sources. He's not here every day. What does he know? Um, look, I don't know. Stephen A knows. Only Stephen A does. He seemed to step in it this week with Lonzo Ball, where he said Lonzo Ball couldn't even like sit up out of a chair, and then Lonzo Ball is That's... tweeting out a vi- xing out a video of himself That's getting good. out of a chair. But I, I'm not going to just dismiss what he said because you know I, I think that people need to know. That coaches in the NFL, players in the NFL, certainly agents in the NFL, tend to lie. It happens. Just because Stefan Diggs tweeted out, nothing to see here, your sources are wrong, it doesn't mean like, case closed. Close it, close it down. He's happy. He's chipper. He said it at a press conference. He said it on an X tweet. Like, nothing to see here. Like, it's probably I'm, I'm kind of coming from the media perspective. I'm looking forward to the front office perspective, but I just think there's way the, the knee jerk reaction from alleged independent media members to just eat the chum that is whatever a coach says, whatever a player says. Like we got to fix that, guys. I mean that's some BS. Like people, I mean I could give you a million examples. A few come to mind. One being when I went out to Miami last year, two part to a Tonga Viola series, what 10,000 words gushing about the Dolphins and Tua, MVP candidate at the time, trying to figure out how did he get from point A to point B. Point A being Brian Flores is the coach, they hate each other, they're going at it in the locker room. His confidence is shot to point B where he could do no wrong. Mike McDaniel gets him, Tyree killed Jalen Waddell. That offense was humming. Part of that story in part two, if you remember, 
was, okay, like where do they go from here the rest of the season? Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, they need this run game to get going because there's going to be a counterpunch from defenses. You saw from Brandon Staley and the Chargers in prime time where they did kind of figure two out. Um, he wasn't the same quarterback really the rest of the season. Not, not like he was at the start. They needed to run the ball. It's one of the reasons I think they should go out and trade for Jonathan Taylor, by the way. I, I would just go for him if I'm the Dolphins. You already are kind of going for it with Vic Fangio, Jalen Ramsey, all this. Um, but anyways, in, in that piece, in part two, uh, I was talking to Raheem Mostert, who I, who I knew pretty well. I did a big feature on him at Bleacher Report. Insane life that he that he has lived. Um, check it out. I'll, I'll link it in the post. But holy cow, where, where he comes from is wild. So we, we knew each other, had a relationship. And the conversation just said something that I believe to be fairly innocuous. Now we have a quarterback who can actually sling it. I think anybody with a pair of functioning eyeballs would agree. Tua, even the way he throws it, he's kind of slinging it, as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo, who is often dealing with an injury and is kind of laborsome and working through something. It it went viral. It went crazy. 49er fans lost their minds. And Raheem Mostert did what, unfortunately, a lot of players do. He... I wish I, I, I should fire up the tweet right now as I'm talking. Like he denied saying what he said and played the whole media, misinterpreted me, took me out of context. He goes on San Francisco radio and d- 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 denied that this was a thing. I don't know. I didn't even really get mad at Raheem Mostert. I get it. Like he's got a brand and fans in San Francisco and he was, he doesn't want his timeline blown up with that all, but it does make you appreciate the players like Carlton Davis who stand by what they say, who say like, yeah, we're going to wreck shit this year. Think anybody who thinks we're going to be terrible because Tom Brady's gone there and for a rude awakening, like that went crazy. He didn't back down. He stood by it. Makes you appreciate guys like that. My point being what Raheem Mostert put out there on social media was incorrect. Like, I had the audio, had the transcript, had the conversation was a great conversation and it was innocent. I, it doesn't. It's, it's not, it's, it was not that salacious as he made it out to be. No. Uh, but, 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 but people lie. I mean, even, you know, we had the 13 second story on Sean McDermott, Buffalo Bills. What the hell happened at the end of that Chiefs game? I know that some things that were said by the head coach publicly privately to some media members is incorrect. And we pieced together what happened that night. And we're going to have more on that night down the road. He's not alone. Most of us are not alone. I'm not just going to take what Dick said at face value. Nothing to see here. Guess what? Something happened in minicamp. Day one. Has a meeting with McDermott. Leaves. McDermott very concerned. Like we're going to pretend like that didn't happen. We're going to pretend like Stephen A is what is he like he's some kook that needs to be you know, sent for psychiatric attention. No, I'm not going to write that off. He's been around a while. He started as a newspaper guy. He was a reporter. Like he's not just throwing shit against the wall 24 seven. Like I think independent media people here in Buffalo kind of made it out to be, which look, take a deep breath and let's think about it. Let's look into this. And as you said with Osiris Torrance, to keep an eye on it. And I feel like with Diggs, it keeps coming up. 
right? This isn't, it just, this has been now for a couple months. I feel like Diggs isn't happy. Diggs isn't happy. What's Stephen A reporting? Diggs wants out of Buffalo that he's not happy. Whatever it is, could be true. He could not be happy living in Buffalo. I think about Sammy Watkins when I think about guys that I didn't know that they were being professional on the field. They were giving everything they had, but they weren't happy living in Buffalo. There was something going on off the field that we didn't know about. Sometimes when it's lasted this long and digs, things keep coming up and he keeps coming back and saying, I'm here, I'm playing. Okay. So now you're telling us I'm, I'm tending to believe that your play looks pretty good. Like, you're not unhappy on the field. Maybe you're unhappy off the field. I don't know. At this point, I don't know. But I know one thing. This will only really blow up if the Bills are struggling. That's that's the only way this really, you know, to me, that's the only way this gets even more. I, I think at this point, we need the season to start, get these things rolling, because this offense looks like, I keep saying it, just because I watched that tape a little bit today and saw, like, those special plays that I know those guys can all make. And it's like, man, they are loaded up on the skills with Josh Allen, obviously. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's where Bills fans shouldn't worry because follow the money. What can Stephon Diggs even do here? You're good. Like, Why would you want? Let, let's say he's pissed off. Let's say he's unhappy. Let's say he wants out for whatever reason. Hypothetically. But why? I'm just, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I don't know he's, why he would want out. He's. He doesn't have any leverage. None. He doesn't. None. He's here. He's here. So he's might trying, as well he's trying, to, he's trying to max out. And, and, and that's a hypothetical. Yeah. Like they, you're trying a, to max out your money. He could be happy. He, it, like I said, if you're trying to max out your money as a receiver, you're staying right here. You're playing with Josh yeah. Allen. You're good. You're, you don't need to go anywhere else. You're getting ready to play for a team that could win a Super Bowl with a franchise quarterback. And you are – the number one wideout, stay. Yeah, and you know we talk about the the, the right guard. And, oh yeah, and I mean that's the middle linebacker situation, right. which, now, which, which is a little worrisome. Uh, and Jordan Poyer. I mean, right. my, my point being, like, if, if Josh Allen is healthy, if Stephon Diggs is healthy, the Bills are are going to win 10, 11 games, right, and right. get into the playoffs where anything can happen, and. That's what it's about, right? Fast forward to the postseason. Nothing in the regular season really matters. Mat- matters, but yeah, we they need to get to the postseason. You, you healthy. Get there. Half the teams they got to get to the get postseason there. healthy. Postseason healthy. Quarterback healthy. healthy. Von, well, Von Miller. Von Miller. They need him healthy. Key at the right players time. healthy at the right time. I would not rush him back. No, 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 no need. Mm. When you look at those drafts. Anything concerning? I mean, Kyer Elam should be starting by now. So that, so going back to that, because you touched on it, Teron Johnson was a hell of a pick. Look at that draft. Allen. We talked Edmonds, about this. We did a Harrison show. Phillips, who I talked about in right. Minnesota. He's still playing. Taron so, Johnson. Wyatt Teller. I mean. Ray, is it uh, Ray Ray McLeod? He's still in the NFL? Bouncing around. Yeah. Bottom line is they're. The drafts, I think, I think we did a show on these, you know, more to come on these, you know, last year's picks, this year's picks. 
good good picks for sure. Good drafts. You know, B. I think we said like B quality drafts. Obviously, Josh Allen makes it almost. And if you, Josh Allen makes it A plus, whatever. You, you got your guy, but they need these offensive linemen and defensive ends that they've invested in draft wise. I'm not sure they're getting value out of any of those guys. That would be one thing I would have to look a little bit harder at. Um, I, I don't want to say they're not getting any value, but are they getting are they getting the value they need? You know, from those with, where they invested in those players. Ninth overall pick value and at Oliver. Oh, that one I just paid up like for that. Uh, AJ Epinesa is a second round pick. He yeah. is a borderline. Roster, right? Yep, he diamond does jag. Yeah. He's a jag. Boogie Basham, second round. He, Gregory he's, Russo. He, yeah. he's played better. This they both, they both show up. They both show up. I mean, as far as you see something in both of them, um, it's funny. They, they both have. They could use each other's kind of strengths and weaknesses if you could combine them a little bit. Um, their talents, but um, they've drafted a ton of defensive players. Yeah, and I, like I said, and we're not his guys. Yeah, and, and now they have these other linebackers now that are fighting to replace Edmonds. Mm-hmm. So more to come on these drafts. But hey, he's they've done the job they needed to. They got the franchise quarterback, and they've hit on some other, you know, some really strong mid-round like core tough football players. I they're doing just fine. I think where I'll hesitate and say, oh, Alan Diggs, like we shouldn't even question this team, is look at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl run. Like if Patrick Mahomes gets sandwiched in a pile of Jacksonville Jaguars, plays on a broken ankle, like that game, and heals it up, wins the FC Championship by a whisker against Cincinnati, Super Bowl hurts it again, and they, they, they win the Super Bowl. But it took – you look at their drafts. And they're not having these conversations. Like mm-hmm. they're getting contributions from round players drafted in round one through round seven, all the way down to Isaiah Pacheco. Um, you know, defensive backs making plays in the AFC Championship game. I mean, Sky Moore scored that well, touchdown in the Super Bowl. I, I'm just saying, like they, they're getting contributions out of their draft picks. And if Josh Allen hypothetically had a similar injury in the playoffs. I don't think the Bills, at least these past few years, obviously, aren't are getting those contributions out of the draft picks. So like that that's where maybe the story of this team is you've got to get stuff out of these picks. Like you just have to you haven't been able to sign anybody last couple of years. Um after mm-hmm. all the all the checks you've been handing out. It comes down to these players that they drafted producing. Like because we're we're not we're not talking about the Bills through the lens of trying to win the division like it, it's winning the super bowl yeah, right you're, you're you're judged on no doubt how you would fare versus the chiefs the bengals hell throw whoever else you want in there, right it, Jaguars, it doesn't matter Dolphins, you're you're, like, you're yes it doesn't matter it's super bowl you have the quarterback that equals soup that means super bowl so, so maybe it is somewhat of a concern i think we're both kind of like tap dancing around exhibition football though. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm I need not, substantive real football no, before right. the take I'm is good. solidified. <laughs> let's go to, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. This is fascinating situation. I think he's stuck. You, you brought up Miami. I, 
Miami, do they run the ball enough to invest in a guy like Jonathan Taylor, like what he needs, invest – like, you know what I'm saying? Isn't that a missing piece for this team? But, but are still going to use them, though. They're not going to not use what they have. I mean, Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator in that, San Francisco. Fine, I feel like he's got – I don't know. Many a play he'd love to draw for Jonathan Taylor. Oh, that's, Mostert that's, hasn't been able to stay healthy. Jeff Wilson is good from time to time. I'm they just drafted a more, running back who just got hurt, I believe. Yeah, it's never going to be their core. It's not going to be what what they would have to. What Taylor is going to demand, I don't think Miami. Right, because could. the agents involved, he's looking for a contract. Yeah, I mean, trade. that's what I'm saying. I don't think Miami could commit to that. But anyway, regardless, I don't think wherever he goes, I don't think it matters that much, believe it or not, if he goes anywhere. Like as far as the whole scheme of that team. Like, just name a team that's going to get him, like, a, a realistic team. You know what I'm saying? What's Jonathan Taylor going to – like, he's – I honestly thought he was in a great situation in Indy. Like, not for that rookie quarterback, too. Yeah. It seemed like a really good – a nice – like, it's just incredible to be that talented at your position and you've proven what you can do and nobody wants you almost because you've priced yourself out almost. You we, almost priced yourself out of the yeah, value of that position. Yeah. I mean, look at what Joe Shane and the New York Giants were able to do with Saquon Barkley. He goes on a podcast and threatens to sit out the whole season. It says, you know what? The leverage I have is basically F you, F my teammates. I'm not going to play. A week later, there he is, 8 a.m., day one of training camp playing. And it wasn't like they gave him a lot of money. It's an unbelievably team-friendly deal. What a million bucks more than the tag with some with some incentives, and no guarantees that they won't just tag him next year. Yeah, running backs are stuck. I think that's a credit to Joe Shane and the Giants that they were able to get that done while Josh Jacobs isn't reporting to Raiders camp. Okay. Jonathan Taylor's trying to get his way out of the Colts. That they were able to kind of. Um, Mend that relationship to the point where Saquon Barkley is playing football is unbelievable. I agree with you. I mean, I, I see both sides. I, I see the running backs being pissed off that, hey, I'm touching the ball 20, 25 times a game. I'm impacting the game. You need me. I'm, I, I should be paid as such. But there's no reason for these teams to pay you 14, 15, 16 million a year. There just isn't. There just isn't because – you can get drafted. You're on that rookie pay scale. If you're a first-round pick, they can lock you into a fifth-year option. And then they'll tag you, tag you twice if they want. That's seven years, and you're done. You're not, you're not getting to a second contract. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan Taylor is trying to, like, mm-hmm. buck this the is, system. This he's the one. This yeah, he's trying to, like, mm-hmm. get ahead of this all three years into it. He knows this is the one. He needs to hit this next contract. He's, he's much younger than Austin Eckler. Eckler tried to do the same thing. Age-wise, I want to say he's three years younger, maybe four. Oh. But I don't think anything is going to happen that is going to make him happy. I, I, I think that if, if something does happen, though, if the Bills could use him, the Dolphins, all these teams could use him, but at what price? This has at nothing to do with his talent, right? If, right. If you're going to trade, if you're going to trade for Jonathan Taylor, what would you be willing to give up if you're the GM? Jim? 
yeah, I, not a, <laughs> I, I love the guy as a player. I mean, I respect him, but I, I'd have to, I mean, that is tough because you'd have to give me my roster, my situation, money. Miami. No, I'm good. What about like in draft? Built, to draft be honest, capital, the Bills, I, I wouldn't, for the Bills, I wouldn't. Um, draft capital, no. No, I'd go second round. I mean, maybe if I had a, I guess if I'm a, I'd have, like I said, I'd have to see the situation. I just don't see that to me being a difference making type move. In my philosophy of it, that's my philosophy is quarterback and defense. I'm quarterback defense. I'm always going to try to add talent, but I'm not going big on a guy like that. You know, based on what his situation is or what he's looking for. Well, I mean, I'm just pulling up his uh, mileage here. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not that. It's not bad. about the mileage. He's fine. I'm not even worried about that. I'm just saying the position itself and what you're gonna have to give up to get him. Isn't this crazy though? He's in 2021. He had 2,171 yards. He had. He's tough. I mean, he's tough. He is. I, I, what I can't get over with him. touchdowns. Or I'm sorry, eight, 18 touchdowns. Well, that's what I was going to say. What I love about him, he seems to always finish in the end zone. Like, size, speed, combo. I mean. It's I, not as uh, visually, like, it, it, the style of play he has, it's not. It doesn't pop off the screen, but we've talked about it. We've got stories up on him. This the, way he, the way he reads the field, the way he reads defenses. But, his anticipation, his calibration with the line, he'll catch fifty balls. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. If you're looking for a total back, but I don't know who's better at this point. What's crazy to me Durable. is this goes back to when we say things, the four core, how they're structured. Owner is a disaster. Let's just call it what it is. How this was not discussed before you draft that rookie quarterback Richardson. This should have been. I mean. The plan for Taylor it was should have been teamed up with Richardson. Hey, we got Taylor. We're going to pay him. We know we're going to keep him. They know all the deals. They know what each other wanted. And and you drafted Richardson to pair him up with a stud running back. That, that, that is, How is that? That's what I'm saying. This thing isn't structured right. This is a bad sign. This, to me, screams dysfunction in Indy. Good luck. Rooted for a rookie in, quarterback. In, in ownership, and, right? And, and, I mean, Jim Irsay is, is no volatile. Question. You don't know what he's going to say any given moment. And, and what do we talk about? Rookie quarterbacks and where they go matters. Trevor Lawrence went to Urban. It was a mess. Here it is. Anthony Richardson just loses one of the top two or three running backs in the NFL. One of the good things, the known qualities he had. So anyway, dysfunction in Indy to me. I'll never forget uh, Albert Breer. <laughs> I'm not speaking out of turn. SI, he, um, we, we were hanging out one night and we were just talking about Twitter. And he goes, you know, the one thing I do like about Twitter is it kind of can reveal intelligence or lack thereof. I, I mean, Jim Irsay is a very intelligent guy if he's made as much money as he has. But, man, some of the things he says out there, it's like, what are you doing? You are not helping the situation at all, Jim. And this was a problem, to your point, Jim, that Jim Monas, that that should have been solved it this, a long time ago. Yeah, like fig, I mean, figure this out in a, in April, in May, in June. Like it, it should not. 
like the story in Indianapolis should have been this freak show quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who one of us at this table really enjoy. One of us, one of us thinks is going to wait may, to see worse than Tim Tebow. I'm not going to say who is who. Well, I know who has a national championship and a playoff win. So Richardson has a way to go. All I know is I have him on my QB squad to go along for a draft, and he's going to win me a dinner at the Grange. Well, let's talk about an X-Clip guy that you have talked about a lot that is popping up is Jordan Love. Ooh. Are you – now, I will I say this. I lasted this long without talking about Jordan I had – well, and I brought him up, not you. So this is me bringing him up because he has officially made the X-Clip kind of catch my attention. I can't wait for the season the to start. The X-Clip Hall of Fame. Well – he is one, and the throws are real. Like, in coverage, tight window, release, accuracy, anticipation. I like what I saw from him. Doesn't mean anything. Can't wait to watch him now. That week one matchup yeah. against the Bears is awesome. Got a confession to make, Jim. You're going to gamble. I don't gamble. I told you I'm retired from gambling. I heard on the radio that the Packers were underdogs. Oh, they are. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, whoa. That is the easiest money anybody could make in their life. Somebody else on this podcast can't believe it either. And I may have deposited $50 into my Caesars account after it went dormant for a while. So you're like Michael Jordan. came back from retirement. I came back out of retirement. You know, I threw on the four or five, and we we bet on Jordan Love and the Packers to beat beat the Bears. I don't understand that. Just because it's a road game and he hasn't started before. You're back. Green Bay's roster is substantially better than Chicago's roster. And now we've seen some some of the things that Jordan Love can do. I'm not saying that he's been lights out in training camp. I'm not there day in and day out. The reports have been uneven. There's been some inaccuracies. But there's enough special sprinkled in there where you should get everybody excited about what he can do in the NFL. So... Yes, Jordan Love in Green Bay. Take it. I think they're like two-point underdogs, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, if you're interested in money, not, that I'm pa- the I got to give you one. credit. You come out of retirement and are giving out picks two weeks before the season. Yeah, like, I mean, here I, I complain about gambling. My buddy Dan Coop, he works at Sports Trade. Everybody follow him. Great dude. We work together in uh, the Green Bay market. We were just texting the other week and – um, we gotta have him, we should have him on the podcast because he, he said he'd like to come on and talk about gambling and picks and stuff. And I said, Dan, I said, all I do is bitch about gambling and, and say it's awful and it's ruining lives. I'm sorry, I know it's your livelihood, but I, I just don't really want to get into it. And he, and he just texted back. He said, Hey, when you're when you're ready to get with the get with the century, let me know, Don. So here I am, Dan. You're back throwing myself into you your said, cruel, cruel world. You said easy money. I did. Oh, man, I said the cliche, too. Yeah, you went oh. cliche. It's okay. Man, bash me over the head with that Pellegrino here at Fatty Beer Company, will you? <laughs> Sad. All right. There won't be a gambling story at Go Long tomorrow or today, if you're listening on Wednesday, I should say. But I did have a conversation with New York Giants general manager Joe Shane. It was quite an offseason for the Giants. He had some seismic decisions. Quarterback Daniel Jones, running back Saquon Barkley. Got to find a weapon for Daniel Jones. How do you do it when there aren't necessarily wide receivers out there to pick from a tree? And we took it all the way back to Elkhart, Indiana for Joe Shane. Growing up, 
running the three-man weave on the basketball court, taking charges from Brandon Bean in pickup basketball. His dad was a truck driver, worked the third shift. Um, I think a lot of a lot of what Joe Shane went through at a young age and then into scouting. You saw him out there on the scouting trail. He's with the Panthers seven years, with the Dolphins five years. With the Bill. Like, he has spent nine years of his life, like if you stretch it out, 3,000 plus nights. He looked it up on his Marriott app. Nine years of his life. More than nine because he stayed at Hilton Properties for three years before that. Living out of hotels. You know that life, Joe. I mean, it, it blows my mind every time I hear these stories that you are married, you have three kids, and you're, you're literally away from your family half of your life. So I, I, a big theme of this story is like after sacrificing so much, he becomes a GM. And I think the inclination, the urge, is for GMs to puff the chest out, let ego take over, I'm finding my quarterback. Right. I'm getting my guys. If you were of the previous regime, you have a scarlet letter on your chest. And they meticulously, he meticulously looked at each individual case from Daniel Jones to Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, all these guys, Leonard Williams, Andrew Thomas, and they, they, they kept, kept a lot of players in the previous regime because they were good. They were good core players. And was able to shed some salary, get to a good place. I'm going to say it right now. If we're going to throw takes out there, the New York Giants are going to win the NFC East. The Dallas here's, – here's why I'm not getting on the Dallas hype train. I, I, I hear it revving up again. Steve, <laughs> Steven Jones is out there saying, oh, it's going to be – these are going to be the hardest cuts I ever made. Like, okay, okay, gotcha. Um, Dallas doesn't scare me from the Giants. You're saying I mean, over Philly? I'll get to Philly. Oh. If, if the, the talent level is in the same zip code, Giants-Cowboys, give me Brian Table over Mike McCarthy. Like, give me that coaching staff over the other one. Philly. I mean, I'm not saying that Philly's going to be bad. I think they, no, I, no. I think they, Obviously, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, a couple teams are going to make it from that division. But I think that losing coordinators is a bigger loss for teams than the general fans think. Fair take. And I wish I had some examples that they're ready to throw at people, but a lot of these teams that get to a Super Bowl and then lose their coordinators, take a step back. And it's hard to quantify behind the scenes and what, what a good coordinator means to a team. Look, Jeff Stoutland is still there. He's unbelievably valuable as the offensive line coach. That's really the fulcrum of the whole operation. And, and Jalen Hurts is only going to get it better because he works his ass off. A.J. Brown is a top five, top ten receiver. I, I don't know. I, I think that they're going to take a step back. I think they're going to regress a little bit. And I think the Giants are a team with the arrow pointing the correct direction. Regardless, the whole part of the Joe Shane story that I love is I, you know, I was on that same path. Luckily, you know, I got to, you know, we kind of started, you know, area scouts, same age. You know, you start in the NFL's area scouts, everybody, all these GMs. You know, and I was able to be a director of player personnel and, and be a part of all that. And to see all the guys get these chances that started as scouts, I love it. And to hear those stories, yeah, that's what we did. We lived in Marriott's. I'm titanium for life. You know, it's nice. But um, you do pay a price. Your family sacrifice. It's hard. I mean, I'm sure he talked about it. And it's 
So to see him have a plan and, and, and the organizations I've been a part of that pay attention to the family, like the Saints. When I was with the Saints, when I was with the Eagles, family mattered. Like they do, they pay, they want you to bring your wives and families to games and whatever it is, just to feel a part of it. So I'm sure Joe does that for his scouts. It's funny when I have these interviews, I don't even like state interviews, conversations with with players and GMs and coaches. It's as a dad now with two kids, I'm kind of like thinking through that lens and find myself asking about family as much as anything. I think that's really why from afar. I mean, I, I really respect Joe Shane. He does seem like somebody who has stressed family and has valued family and is, wants to be as present as he can possibly be in his kid's life. He, he had a child in Carolina, Miami, and Buffalo. The third <laughs> one he called the Josh Allen baby. Had Harper uh, five days after the draft of Josh Allen. I mean, imagine that draft process. Pregnant wife as you're deciding on the future of the organization. Um, but he really – look, he's not able to be at all of the games because he's literally, you know, scouting across America. Uh, but I give him a lot of credit, and I give people like you a lot of credit for valuing matters in life. Like, in, I think that's kind of how we hit it off, really, Jim. Like, you're just a normal dude who doesn't take himself too serious. And there's a lot of people in this sport who aren't normal – and who do take themselves too serious, and they got to stick up their ass a mile high. And I, I just find my, I, I just gravitate toward normalcy and people who like we have one life to live here on Earth. Like, do you want to do it being a robot, you know, bleary-eyed watching film? <laughs> Look, I get it. Like a lot of these, like you got to do that to provide for your family. But that's what really forces a lot of people in the NFL to prioritize and remember what's important and yeah joe shane joe shane struck me as a person who does kind of prioritize in life which is which is pretty cool right you tell me am i wrong i mean you've been in this game you've been around these people i gotta think there's a lot of people like literally married to the sport and nothing else matters Yes, you you said it best how you gravitate to the people that you know. You can tell the people that are just going to be hardcore football, nonstop. I can't do anything but football. Or the people that can turn it on and off a little bit. They actually don't want to eat in their car. They might want to go into a restaurant and sit down. And, like, it's – there's all kind of, – I've seen it all. Um, or to go as far as the coaches or scouts that just don't eat. You know, hey, I don't need to eat, you know, whatever. You see it all. But, yes, you will gravitate to the guys that tend to um, at least can live that lifestyle. You can win a Super Bowl anyway. That's We've talked about that. There is no right way, whether it's the the Gruden yeah. and Andy yeah. Reid 4 a.m., McDermott 4 a.m., whatever that is. Shane gets up at 4? Or I don't want to use 4 as a thing. The 4 to – the 4 to – it would be the 4 to 1 a.m. 4 a.m. to 1 a.m. Um, like, I feel like that's kind of the – I'm saying, like, yeah. I'm okay with 4 a.m., but are you going to shut it down early evening? You know, like, get home at a decent time. Anyway. I don't know. It's – because the urge is there. Um, I mean, I try to pour, you know, an, an insane amount of hours. It goes for anybody. Right. This goes for anybody. goes for any profession. Anybody, any profession. It really does, it, it, but that's a really good point. I think once a team wins a Super Bowl, 
And I think that's why Bill Belichick and the Patriots broke so many brains. It's like they kept putting these Super Bowls, and all of a sudden there's so many coaches throughout the NFL that think you need to be militaristic, do your job, players are robots. Like, Belichick is more complex than that, by the way. There's players who played for him that, that, that love him as a person, and they say that, that I mean, he's, frequency notions are all, 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 all wrong. My, a lot of his assistants went to other places and tried to be, you know, Belichick light and it combusts. Because there's only one Bill Belichick. And by the way, he had Tom Brady, the greatest player. So that's what I was just going to say. There's an example of a team that they lost coordinators and coaches. Didn't matter because Brady. And that's why with Philly, let's see. They invested in Hurts. They're about to find out, is Hurts really the guy? Is he the guy? Is he, man, how about the... It's Madden. It's Sports Illustrated right now. It's Hurts is. I mean, they, Sam Howell's the next Jalen Hurts right in the division, though. So. Well, an X clip of the day was Dan Orlovsky basically, basically saying exactly what I said would have to happen for Washington to be good. Sounds like Sam Howell's legit. I didn't realize that. But apparently he has officially hey, made it in the NFL. He told to go along before he was even drafted. But you think the Giants the, can be the greatest quarterback of all time? So. Can the Giants beat Washington? The Giants are going to go 12-5. and five. Win the division. The Eagles will sneak in at 10-7. and seven. The wheels will fall off in Dallas. And Washington will be a plucky six to seven win team. Are you still recording? We're still recording. Oh, because you're gonna, you might have, we can play this back at the end of the year. See, I don't, we'll I don't play, want to we'll give out to me. We'll play it back. It's gonna be that to a T. No. All right, we're here at Fatty Beer Company. Make sure you get on in. I'm drinking Pulp Daddy. It's fantastic. Greater Great Imperial Brewing Company. It's the drafts. It's the it's the selection of drafts that you know. I'm not drinking right now, but I miss the selection of drafts. They always have one from like Delaware, Maine, wherever, and I always just, yeah. So it's if you like beer, I just don't know why you wouldn't be here. I'm ashamed that we haven't put out an announcement yet, but we are going to meet with the powers that be here at Fatty and figure out a kickoff a bash kickoff bash date. Monday so, Night Football, maybe a yeah. Well, I was even <laughs> you thinking the Bills' home opener is the next week, week two. Um, so we might have some out of towners who listen, who subscribe. Let me know. I mean, seriously, tweet at me, email me, whatever. What could work for you if you're going to be passing through Western New York? You want to see as many people as we can. Be fun. Throw back a Pulp Daddy or seven. See what happens. Um, yeah, they'll be fun. I know we've got a lot of listeners, readers out in Wisconsin too. So maybe we'll have to have two bashes. That's that's kind of a haul, but I'll I'll be out there if you want to, you know. Also drive or fly. What time of year? Early. <laughs> Early. All right, real quick because I want to get your take on this. We talk a lot about society, people within the society, not respecting society. I need to know your opinion on this gentleman. I'm at a coffee shop. Working, go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. At the same time, probably 
70, 75-year-old man walks in, goes to the bathroom. I believe, I think he, he not that it really matters because it's kind of gross either way. Mm-hmm. Took a piss and then just walked out. Didn't wash his hands. Well, I mean, with a witness on hand, I'm there witnessing this. All right, so he, he pisses, doesn't wash his hands, goes right back out into the coffee shop, brazenly. Not a care in the world. Now, do you A, are you A, disgusted that he wouldn't do something as simple as wash his hands? Or B, is it mad respect? that he He's reached a point in his life where he's old. He doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a damn. He's going to live his life. Go to the bathroom. Not going to wash his hands. Doesn't care who sees it. Are you disgusted? Or do you respect this man? I am... Disgust is not the word. I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say a word and do your thing. Oh, I didn't say a word. No, no I'm not saying I wouldn't either. I'm but I'm saying, saying do your thing. I don't, I'm yeah. not like, I'm not against, like, I'm like, hey, man, I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. I don't care. I get it. But it's disappointing. You'd like to just think everybody's kind of on there, board there right now. There was a little part of me that was like, man, he's I, reached the point of his life. But that's what I'm saying. He just, it's yeah. kind of like the older you get, like the, he's they, letting they you back know. out of parking lots. He's letting they, you they're, know. they're backing up. They're not looking. They're, they're not. Just, like, get out of my way. I'm old. Just he's, I want to he do. is letting you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've made my decision loud and clear. You don't need to tell me we're good. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Second scenario, flying back from Minneapolis. Minneapolis to Chicago to Buffalo. Southwest. So you get to sit where you want. Mm-hmm. I'm in group A. Get a window seat. Thinking this is great. There was so few people on this flight that they literally told everybody disperse amongst the plane to even out the weight. Sit down and a couple, man and a woman, kind of they're passing up the, the gentleman. I only see the gentleman at first. I'm thinking, oh, he's just taking the aisle seat. He pauses, he lets his wife come in. She sits right by me in the middle seat. Her prerogative, even though there's empty seats all over the place. I don't want to be cruel and rude. This is just factual. She was probably about 300 pounds. And half of her was into my seat. Just biology, physiology, whatever. So I'm kind of like leaned, like jammed. I got a lot of back problems anyway. I see the chiropractor. Back's throbbing, leaned against the window. Now I put, here's my question for you, Jim. She immediately, by the way, elbows out. I have no control of the armrest. She just... Plops down, goes to sleep. It's 5 a.m. flight. Just goes to sleep. There, I look behind. The row behind me, aisle seat, empty. There's somebody in the window seat. I ease, I, Southwest, you can sit wherever you want. Now, should I have, it's like an hour and a half flight, so it's not like going cross country, but long enough you know, for your back to throw Should I have asked her, no, also she's 300 pounds, to get up, get out of the aisle, and I'll you know I'll make your life better. You're gonna have more room as well. I'm gonna sit back here, take this seat. Mm-hmm. Or like the coward I am, I didn't say a word. I just sat there. I took it. I didn't want to wake her up. She was sleeping. There was a slight snore, and I just suffered the whole flight. So she fell asleep that quick. So you didn't really yeah. have a chance to like the situation. She sat down. It wasn't like she sat could sit down, down and, and she just... was out. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I think I would have done what you did. I would have taken that one for the team type thing. But, but I'm not proud of it. I wish no, I would have spoke up. I, I think that's what I, I, I would have. Yeah, you could have for sure. 
say, hey, just I'm gonna, hey, I'm just gonna go. Excuse me, I'm just gonna go ahead and for both of our benefits, mm-hmm. right? No, it helps everyone. It's a win. Room. I don't think that's comfortable for her. It's a win-win. It's a win-win situation. So you're doing just fine. I should have done it. All right, yeah. so everybody out there flying Southwest, don't be ashamed. No, it's okay. good. That's win-win. I like it. And we had a few, you know, deplaning budgers. I didn't say anything to them. I should have. Everybody out there, make sure you deplane by row. Return your shopping carts. Those who get off of the elevator, take pressing over those who enter the elevator. Everything we talk about in the show. So it's a good place to end. Thanks, everyone.